Let us pray. Lord our God, as we come now to open Your Word, to read it together, and to hear it proclaimed, we, we ask that You would help us because we are weak. We need Your Holy Spirit today to give us understanding. And O oh God, as we, may we see today the sufficiency of Your strength. And how you and your providence bring all things together and give your grace and encouragement to your people in victory. Bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of your word for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's word and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Samuel 30, we'll begin at verse 1 and read to the end of the chapter, verse 31. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Nagib and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. And their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Himelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men were with him and they came to the brook Bessor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bessor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. And they gave him water to drink. And they gave him a piece of cake, of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, 
servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negeeb of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah. And against the Negeeb of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. Except that each man... Except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, here is a present from you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel and Ramoth of the Negeeb, in Jatir, in Aor, in Zipmoth, in Eshtemoah, in Rachel, in the cities of the Jeremalites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hormah, in Bor-Ashan, in Athak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we were in 1 Samuel 29, and we saw David in a little bit of a dilemma or a pickle. He was marching with the Philistines in order to go and battle Israel. We saw last week the objections to David and his men by the lords of the Philistines, how, how those objections then led to suspicions, and how God used both the objections and the suspicions of David in a merciful deliverance of David. David was ordered to go back to Ziklag. 
And when we finished up with 1 Samuel 29 last week, we saw David and his men setting out early in the morning to go back to Ziklag. And now this morning we find David and the Amalekites. In Amos 5 and verse 19, we, we hear of a man who is pictured fleeing from a lion. As he flees the lion, he then meets a bear. As he runs from the bear and as he safely makes it to his home and he shuts the door, he puts his hand against the wall and he is there bitten by a snake. Now that would be a bad day, wouldn't it? I don't know if any of us have had a day that bad, but no doubt what the prophet Amos reminds us of, David must have have felt like when he and his men returned to Ziklag. Again, they had just escaped the trap of having to fight with the Philistines. And so David and his men, they traveled several days, 60 miles total. And when they returned home, the snake bit. For when they returned home, they had no homes. When they returned to their families, they had no families. The Amalekites had come and taken everything. And you see, this is the situation that we find David in this morning. And so there are five things that our text speaks to us about this morning. And the first is how David as he returns home, is overwhelmed by what he finds. In verses 1 and 2, we hear of the raid of the Amalekites. The Amalekites raided Ziklag. That was the the city that the king of Gath had given to David. The Amalekites captured the, the city. They took everyone away. Every man, every woman, every wife, every Every child. Now, it is strange that we read that the Amalekites did not kill anyone. But they carried them all off. Now, they did burn down the city. And so as David and his men, they enter back into the city, they see buildings on fire. They hear no voices. They see no one there And so obviously they are overwhelmed by what they see and what they do not hear. In verse 3, when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been there? You have wept so much, you cannot weep anymore. This is where we find David and his men overwhelmed in grief. Now for David, it gets worse. Have you ever had one of those days where it starts off bad and you think it can't get any worse and then it does and you think it still can't get any worse and it does. And this is where we find David. 
Not only are his two wives gone, his children gone, but now the, the men that are with David, they are angry with him. David himself is greatly distressed. The people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. They each for their sons and their daughters. And that is understandable, isn't it? Now what if one day an enemy comes to Slidell? We think that's kind, kind of absurd, but it could happen. We live in a fallen world. Man has not changed since the fall on. And we come to Slidell and there's nothing here. The church is gone. All of our homes, families taken away. This would overwhelm us, would it not? And and this is where we find David. Not only is he overwhelmed with grief for his own family, he's on the verge of being stoned by his men. And so what does David do? Notice what he does. He strengthens himself in the Lord his God. You see, David is a man after God's own heart. David understood the promises of God. And so as David is overwhelmed, as he is in trouble, we understand that this could be for any one of us here this morning. Oh, Christian, you might start badly in a day and it could get worse. It could get much worse. You may be going through a trial right now and you think it cannot get any worse than this. And what the text is reminding us is this. It can get worse than this. But what is important for us is this. How will we respond? Will we act like David? Will we strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God as He did? And so that then brings us second of all to the sufficiency of God's strength. As we hear in verse 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David is in the pit. But this is the turning point down in the pit. Now how does David do this? How could David strengthen Himself and the Lord his God. After all, David could no longer say, there is my house or there are my possessions. But he could say, my God. There is the Lord my God. And cry out to him. You see, this is where the strengthening begins. By recognizing that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the God of this universe is our God and we are his children. And so David, first of all, strengthens himself by, by the promises of God. By the fact that God is his God. But then, in verses 7 and 10, David strengthens himself by using access to the presence of God. He calls for the priests, Abiathar. Remember, there are no priests for Saul because Saul murdered the priest. One escaped. And he went to David. David calls for the priest Abiathar, the, the son of Himelech, and he says, Bring me the ephod. 
David is going to consult God through that effort. David is going to recover himself and, and seek guidance through the priest and the ephod. And, and David strengthens himself by using access to the presence of God. David inquires of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answers, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and rescue. God answers David's question, his prayer. God gives David a, a direct answer. Yes, go and pursue and you will find success. And so David sets out and he takes 600 men with him. And they come to the brook Bezor where those who were left behind stayed. And notice why 200 were left behind. They were exhausted. They were tired. They had just walked for several days. They come home. They find there are no homes, no children, no wives. And after getting the answer from God, they immediately set out. Any of us would be tired after all of that. And so 200 stayed behind. And so David now takes a band of 400 and they go to find those who had taken everything from them. Then there's a third thing that we see and it is this. The, the providence of God and an Egyptian. In verse 11, we read that they find an Egyptian in the open country and bring him to David. Now we might think that that was by luck or chance. That they just happened upon this young Egyptian man in the wilderness, in the desert, having not eat, eaten for three days or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And there he is. So he just... Happened upon him. But no, we see the providence of God at work. This man was famished and in bad shape. He had been left there by the Amalekites. He had not eaten anything for three days. He had drunk no water for three days. And so they, they give him something to eat. A, a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And after he had eaten, his spirit was revived. And so then they began the interrogation. They would ask, to whom do you belong? From where? Are you from? He says, I'm a man, a young man of Egypt, a servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. And so here was one of the band who destroyed David's home. Now that would have been a real temptation right then to take a sword and run it through him. But David knew he needed this man. He would never find the band of men who had committed this atrocity against him. And so he asked, would this young man take him? And this young man makes a deal. He said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this band. Now the Bible doesn't tell us that David agreed, but the actions of David tell us that, don't they? Now again, David found... This man by the providence of God. Now we do not need theological bells to go off for us here in order to recognize God's providence. 
We understand that God has foreordained all things which come to pass. We understand that God works all things by way of His decree together. Uh, And we see this morning that little providences make big differences. Christian, when was the last time you, you meditated upon the providence of God over your day? When was the last time you thanked God for giving you to your job and back safely? Or bringing you back from a long trip and you thank Him for, for His good providence to you? They, they found an Egyptian. It was not by accident. It was by the providence of God. But then there's a fourth thing we see, and it is this, the grace of God and victory. And we see that in verses 16 through 25. We find in verses 16 through 20, David comes upon the Amalekites. And what are they doing? They are dancing, they are partying, they they are drinking, they are eating, and, and they could care less for anyone around them. And so David and his men, they they overtake them. And they struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except uh, except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. And by the grace of God, we find David recovering all that had been lost. Everything. Every wife, every child, every possession. And not only did he take back all that was missing... He then captured all the flocks and the herds and the livestock of the Amalekites. Now why was that? Well, it was God's grace. God gave him the victory. God gave him this victory. But it's also God's grace that gives the spoil. To David, And what a spoil it was. We've already read about it. But in, in verses 21 through 25, we see them coming back. These 400 men, they, they come back to where the 200 men were, uh, been left. And, and those 200 men, they come out and meet David and the people and the wicked and worthless fellows in the 400 men. They said, okay, because you did not go with us, you get nothing. Oh, you will get your wife and children back, but nothing else. And so what does David do? He steps in. He says, we will not do this. Verse 23, David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Notice what David is doing. He's drawing their attention to what the Lord has done. It was the Lord that gave them the victory. It was the Lord that gave them the spoil. It was the Lord who preserved them and gave them the victory. Those who stayed with the baggage would share the same as those who went and fought. And so David has a theology of grace. If not for the grace of God, they would not have been victorious. If not for the mercy of God to them, they would not have recovered everything that had been lost. And he does so by keeping his eyes 
riveted on the goodness of the Lord. Did you notice the troublemakers? They were not focused on grace. They were focused on works. They said, because you did not go and fight, you received none of the blessing. Now, it's the same way in the church, right? Those who focus upon works are the troublemakers. Those who focus upon what, what they do and instead of focusing upon what God gives us in Christ. And, and what He gives us is nothing that we deserve. Again, the only thing we deserve from God is His wrath. That's it. That's what we deserve. But in grace, He gives us blessing upon blessing upon blessing. But then fifth and finally, we see the encouragement of God in victory as well. When David comes back to Ziklag, he sends part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah. He says, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Now, why does he do this? Well, you see, David, he's a just man, but he's also a shrewd man. He knows what God has promised him, and he knows he's going to need what? The support of the people when he becomes king. And so he sends these gifts to all of these places. Uh, many of the communities that are listed here likely endured raids by the Amalekites at some time or another. And so David knows it's only right that they should receive part of the loot of the Amalekites. That's the justice of David giving these gifts, but David's gifts also were, were shrewd. They would win with him friends and support and Greece, as one man said, both palm and path to David's kingship in Judah. Nothing at all illegal about it. One can be sharp and shrewd and not be sinful. And this is what we find David doing. And so David also sees the importance of the victory. Here is a gift. Here is a present from you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Now that takes us immediately to our first point of application. We see here in our text an ancient altercation between Israel and Amalek. But we need to understand that this conflict is symptomatic of the greater war. And what is that war? There are God's people and there are God's enemies. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. There are two humanities, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And Christian church, what do we see here? We see that the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people are trounced. They are defeated. 
It is a route. It is not even close. Now why do I bring that out this morning? Because God's victory is encouraging for it is a a preview and a pledge of our final victory. I know many times we look at this world and we think the enemy is winning. And he is. There are small battles he wins in the providence of God. But Christian and church know this. In the end, it is a rout. In the end, we win decisively. Dr. Dell Ralph Davis said this, knowing that Yahweh's enemies will perish breeds a holy defiance in God's people against all the threats of the enemy. Yahweh will rule. This I know, for the Amalekites tell me so. If not, then why get out of bed tomorrow? And he's right. We know the end. We know that no matter how bad things may get for us here in this world, that we are more than conquerors through Christ. We know that in the end, Jesus will come again and we will be ushered into the new heavens and the new earth. We who are in Christ, we will judge the wicked and, and, and the wicked of this world with the Lord Jesus. And we will reign victoriously in the new heavens and the new earth forever with our Lord and our God. And that's what gets us up out of bed every morning. Second, there are times when we are overwhelmed in life. But we must know and believe that God's strength is sufficient for us at all times. Now we see that this morning in our text, but we also see it many times where? In the Psalms. Turn with me for a moment. One of my favorite Psalms, and, and I've read this often with folks in the hospital, because it reminds us that it is the Lord who is our help. Psalm 121. This is a song of a sense, one of the, the songs that would be sung by the saints of Jerusalem as they walked up to Jerusalem for one of the major feasts that they would observe. Notice what we read there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What do we learn there? That the strength of the Lord is sufficient. Why? Because He is our protector. He is our Lord. He is our God. And He cares for us as His people. And He protects us. And notice that our going out and our coming in, it is in the hands of God. Our coming into this world was in the hands of God. Our going out of this world will be in the hands of God. 
And that is sufficient for us, or at least it should be, when we are tempted to be overwhelmed in this life. Third, God in His work of providence does and will work out all of His decrees large and small in this world for His glory and our good. Again, we may be wondering, Lord, what are you doing? And He reminds us, do not worry about it. I have it under control. Everything God has decreed will come to pass. And we know this, everything that He has decreed is ultimately for His glory. And that's what we should desire more than anything else as believers. That God will be glorified from nation to nation, from family to family, from church to church. And we know that He will be. And we know this, that whatever comes to us in this life by way of His decrees is for our good. No matter how difficult it may be. No matter how painful it may be. And we know that because we know forth and finally that we are victorious over all of our enemies, not because we are worthy. If you are in Christ this morning, it is not because you are worthy to be in Christ. It is not because you and I deserve to be in Christ. It is because of God's grace. It is because of the grace of God toward us. You see, David recognized that. He was victorious because of the grace of God. He received his spoil because of the grace of God. And oh, Christian, you are today what you are because of the grace of God. You're a Christian this morning because of the grace of God. You will remain a Christian until your dying day because of the grace of God. And if you at any moment in time believe it is because of what you do, that it is because of your strength, your goodness, then you have not understood the gospel correctly. And so do you understand the gospel? Do you understand that apart from Christ, you have no hope in this life or the next? But that you cannot come to know Christ in your own strength, only by the grace of God, only by the Holy Spirit working in you and changing your dead heart to a heart uh, that is alive again. Can you recognize your sin and your need of Jesus? We are what we are this morning because of God's grace. And maybe God's grace is working upon you this morning. Maybe He is showing you that you are not in Christ. And that your sins are great. And He is also showing you there is only one who can pay the penalty for those sins. And that is Jesus. And as He shows you these things and these truths that we find throughout the Bible, He is changing your heart. And He says to you this morning, call out to My Son, call out to Christ, and you will be saved. And so as you do that, you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus. By the grace of God, you do that. You'll be saved. 
And you will be made alive. And you will be alive in Christ. And you will know as the rest of us know this day that we are more than conquerors. Through Christ Jesus who has loved us. And that there is nothing in this world or the next that can separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we thank You this morning that once again we can hear Your Word proclaimed. And oh God, help us when we are overwhelmed. Again, we pray that we would see the sufficiency of Your strength. That we would understand your providence and your grace. And how, oh God, that in and through Christ you have given us the victory. No, Lord, I pray for any here this morning. That at this moment in time they are far from you for they know not your son. Oh, Lord, I ask and pray that you would save them. Whether they be young or old. Bring them to saving faith in Jesus. Show them their need of repentance. And give them the grace to do just that. And we thank you that it is by your grace we are saved. Not by our works. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.